Living Local, telling the stories that connect us. A United Way of Greater Milwaukee and Waukesha County podcast. Hi, I'm Katie Kuhn. Each winter, as I make the freezing walk from my car into my warm apartment, I think about the people who may not have a warm place to go. And I know I'm not the only one to have these thoughts. What can I, or you, as one person, do to help them? Impact 211 is a central access point for people in need. During times of personal crisis or community disaster, the free confidential helpline and online resource directory make it easy for residents to get connected to information and assistance. Today, we talk with John Hyatt, President and CEO of Impact 211, about the variety of services they offer to people in need in our community, as well as how people like you and I can spread the word about this valuable resource and even volunteer to help out with their extremely high volume of calls. Here's our conversation. Do you want to share just a little bit about your background and kind of your journey to 211? Sure. Impact? Yeah. I've been in the field um, for almost 35 years. Did a lot of work with counseling inpatient and outpatient individuals and families, um, adolescents, mental health and substance abuse. And so I think I'm in the field for the same reason as most of us that got into the field. We want to help people. I've been at Impact now for about 20 years. Started here as the director of clinical services, seeing clients and managing programs for about the last 10 years as the senior vice president and since January as the president and CEO. We serve more than 200,000 people a year, access family health, social services, including mental health, substance abuse, health-related, medical, ranging the entire spectrum of family health and social services. And we, we have a unique position in the community, so we have this very broad view of the resources that are available out there, collected them all, assembled them in a database, and depending on everybody's individual need, we're able to connect them with the right resource on the first try. It creates great efficiency for people that are calling us. They really only need to remember dial 211, and you can ask us for everything and anything. And if we don't have it, we can help you figure out where to get it. What is the most common issue that comes to you? Well, we have a lot of basic needs issues. So people really looking for things like food, housing, medical care, a lot of things that come with people that are either low income or um, people that, and so they are people that are unemployed, but there are also lots of people that are employed, that are working really hard, that are working at least one job, that are probably working two jobs, and it's still tough out there. I mean, the economy they say is better, unemployment is lower, but it's still hard to get ahead. Wages and health care are still a little lagging, and so people work really hard and they get to the end of the month and things ends might not meet. Any kind of situation that might be out of the ordinary can create, whether you call it a crisis or an urgent need, car needs repair, um, I've got a medical bill, and all of a sudden I'm at the end of the month and I'm just not able to pay all the bills and then I have to make a decision between paying the rent, buying groceries, uh, my kids are going back to school, they need clothes or supplies. When people don't know that help is out there or that there's another option, they end up having to make choices or decisions that 
it's unfortunate that, that they have to make. We also uh, work with a lot of people around substance abuse. Our roots are in substance abuse. Um, we've been in the community for nearly 60 years, and so we've been helping people on the phone that long, but we also do a really nice um, consultation service around alcohol and drugs. And so we get calls from people who are directly impacted themselves and are ready to um, take a step to do something different. And so we help them think about how severe the problem is, uh, what are the resources that are available, what are they willing to try, um, and then try and match them up with a resource. And then we get almost as many calls from people who are impacted by the substance use. So whether it's parents of teenagers or parents of adult, and again, wanting to know everything from how can I approach the issue? I think there might be something going on, but I'm not quite sure. What are the signs and what are the symptoms and how can I approach the person? Help them understand that I'm caring and concerned about them. Have them hear my concern and help them get hope without having them get angry or feel like I'm persecuting them and scare them off in the other direction. So. Again, we'll help people figure out the severity of the problem, how to approach the conversation, and what are the resources that are available. Are you ever ever able to follow up with the people who call with alcohol and drug abuse issues? We do. We do follow-ups uh, regularly and routinely. And we end up with a pretty good sample, somewhere around 15 or 20 percent that we actually connect with. And we ask them a series of survey questions. So we know that from the survey that they found our conversation helpful, that nearly 70% of them will use the resource, that about 80% of them will say that the resource was helpful, and nearly 85% of them will say that their situation or their circumstance is better than it was then before they called us. Do you ever come into situations where you need to involve law enforcement? Yes, well, as close as we get to that, when we talk with people on the phone or whether it's in person, the service is, for a lot of folks, anonymous. They don't have to give us their name. If they choose to share that, then it's confidential. We don't share their information with anyone else um, unless they give us their permission. There are a handful of situations where that's not true. If somebody's reporting child abuse or elder abuse, if a person is saying they're going to harm themselves or they're going to harm someone else, if someone's using and they're saying they're having thoughts of hurting themselves or committing suicide, that's an occasion when we would call the police and ask for their help or their intervention to meet that person um, if they're not willing to get help. I mean, if somebody says, I'm having these thoughts or feelings and I'm willing to get help and go into a program, then we'll help you get there. What might people be surprised to learn about the community, the southeastern Wisconsin community needs and the data you collect? They would probably be surprised by <clears throat> how many people there are that reach out to us for help. I think that most people, most people will, if they stop and think, will say, yeah, I know some people that are probably in need and they think of them in a certain way, uh, but they might not know that as many of their neighbors are calling us or coming to the office for help as there really are. Uh, we know that there is a certain segment of the population of people that are have really low income, are unemployed, um, have disabilities, um, have mental health issues that are in regular need of assistance. Um, but there is a large segment of every community 
I live in Greenfield. I grew up in Oak Creek. I watch the numbers on those communities when they come in just because you know, they're my communities and I think of them in that way. And there are lots of people from both of those um, areas that um, you think of them as suburbs, you know, middle class, people that are working, working real hard, and they struggle with all of the same issues that are out there. So there are people just looking again for basic needs and for making ends meet and my kid is sick and I don't have health insurance or my health insurance covers some but not enough and so I j where can I go, what can I do, how can I get the help, all of those kinds of things that people would think people would be really surprised by um, the need not only just in their community but in their neighborhood. Can a person who's under 18 call Impact, call 211 for services and for help, or do they need to have a parent or an adult call on their behalf? Yeah, you can be any age. So we've had some really young callers calling. We've had um, some middle school kids calling us and looking for services or for help or concerned about something that's going on in their life or with a friend or with a parent, and um, they're not sure who to go to or where to call or they're afraid and um, I think talking on the telephone or through a text or a chat offers another level of anonymity that helps um, not just kids but everybody that calls feel a little bit more comfortable talking about some things that are pretty important um, and pretty intimate to them. John, you mentioned you get thousands and thousands and thousands of calls a year. How many employees do you have working for IMPACT who are managing this incredible volume of communication? Yeah, we've got about 65 employees in total. Direct service staff in the, in the call center, we've got 24, I believe, people that work in the call center, um, combination of full-time and part-time. Um, we staff that program 24 hours a day, so it might sound like, wow, there's a lot of people out there, but you've got to cover, like I said, 24 hours a day, uh, weekends, so, you know, if you think about it, your holidays too. Holidays, um, if, if you're at a Christmas Eve party, uh, we're in the call center taking calls. If you're at the 4th of July parade, we're in the call center taking calls. We, we track the call volume really closely. Probably not a surprise between about 9 o'clock in the morning and 3.30 in the afternoon, we're at our peak. And you might have to wait in line for a little bit for your call to get through, but it's uh, very busy. We've got a couple of uh, alcohol and drug specialists that are available between 8.30 and 5 every day, and we've got other people, um, six or eight folks that are here um, in the office um, from 8 until 8 every day um, helping people. So in total, whatever that comes to, 32, 34 people that are providing direct service to callers and to clients every day. Yeah. Do you find that there are seasonal rushes on certain issues or certain times of the year where you're busier around a particular need? Um, there are times. There are some seasonal kinds of events that happen here routinely. Um, there's the uh, energy assistance program that will come to an end and so we get a lot of calls from people that are now facing um, large utility bills and is there assistance and help available? There are summer meal programs where people will be calling for assistance. Always around the holidays, people are looking for um, Thanksgiving dinners and um, Christmas toy drives and um, those kinds of things. We just finished 
tax season, and so we had lots of people calling us looking for free tax services, the VITA sites, and looking to see if they're eligible for that earned income tax credit. So I know people think that emergency shelter during the really cold time of the year, that there's a lot of calls and activity, and there is, but also when it's cold, family or friends are sometimes more likely to take someone in than when it's not so cold. And so we also see lots of people looking for um, housing and shelter um, even during warm weather months um, just because or one of the reasons is people feel a little less sympathetic to them when it's not as cold out. So, Do you have any success stories that you want to share? Yeah, it's always interesting I because we talk about thousands of people that we help or the tens of thousands or even the hundreds of thousands and what I try to say to people is that each one of those has their own story. There are a couple stories that I will tell. There was a guy that called us. He's a 65-year-old gentleman, and he um, owned his little service station that he ran for most of his entire life. And he called us and he said, my wife and I haven't eaten in a couple of days. We're pretty desperate and we don't know what to do. And so we said, absolutely, we can help you with that. Uh, we can get you to emergency food. And so. I gave him that information and said, tell us a little bit more about kind of what's going on. Well, his wife had some chronic illness um, that had been depleting their savings. He was a self-employed person, so he didn't have health insurance, he didn't have a uh, workers' comp plan. They were just behind, and they were behind in their mortgage. They had taken out a second mortgage. They had talked to some of their friends who had loaned them some money, didn't have a lot of family, didn't have kids didn't have brothers and sisters, and he said to us, I just can't go back to those people that I know and ask them for money again. We talked to him about what else he could do. His wife had applied for Social Security Disability, but if you're familiar with that process or that program at all, it takes a long time. We got them the emergency food pantry. We talked to them about getting enrolled in the food share program. Uh, we talked to them about things like earned income tax credit, energy assistance program, and we also connected them with a legal service that could help them talk about their mortgage. And so we sent them on their way, and they actually called us back about a week later and said, you know what, you really saved our life. I don't know what we would have done. Our life is in such a better place right now. We got food, we ate, we applied and were eligible for food share. We applied for and are enrolled in health insurance now. And we have an appointment um, scheduled for a couple of weeks down the line to talk to the legal, legal service about the mortgage and what options they had for their mortgage. So it's one person's story amid thousands of calls, but those are the kinds of um, stories and feedback that we get just sort of daily from follow-up calls and people calling us to say thanks for your help. That was John Hyatt, President and CEO of Impact, Inc., to get assistance with your needs in Milwaukee, Waukesha, Kenosha, Racine, Ozaki, Washington, Dodge, Jefferson, and Walworth counties, simply dial 211. Living Local is produced by myself, Katie Kuhn, Rebecca Schimke, Melissa Hannon, Brian McCake, and John Waldbauer. A special thank you to Ethan and Maeve McCake for providing the music and voice talent for our introduction. We need supporters for our podcast. 
We're looking for supporters at every level to help us underwrite the cost of production and to allow us to continue sharing the stories that connect us. For more information, visit our website, unitedwaygmwc.org slash podcast.